We're going to get started here in a minute in James chapter 1. Uh, before we do, we are doing scripture memory, and uh, I'm just so impressed with our Team Kid program. Team Kid has uh, been going on for a while, and by the way, that, that was uh, paused last week. It will be going on again this week uh, from 6 to 7.30 on Wednesday nights. But one of the things that we, we encourage kids to do is, is bring Bibles, right? Bring friends and, and memorize scripture, and they get points along the way, and there's incentives for that. Um, and maybe the adults need to have a point system, too, to memorize Scripture. It might be helpful incentives, right? You get a, a bracelet or a, a, a lollipop if you memorize the Scripture. Kids love that. Um, my kids have really impressed me, my own kids, and, and m- several kids from Team Kid have done this, not only my kids, but uh, my kids have memorized um, some Scripture. And I'm going to invite my daughter this, this early service up. Bailey, come on up, Bailey. Give her a hand. And she is going to quote scripture that she has memorized uh, just to encourage all of you and make you feel guilty because you haven't. <laughs> right? Good job. So nice and clear and loud. The doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving themselves. James 1.22. Good job. Thanks, sweetie. Good job. And we'll be going over that uh, today. So if, if our kids can do it, so can we. And uh, it, it's awesome to see my kids doing that. It brings just uh, warmth to my heart that my kids are memorizing Scripture and hiding God's Word in their heart. And uh, you and I should also be doing that as well. So um, we're looking at the Lord's Prayer, uh, but certainly uh, if you memorize verses or parts of Scripture, it's going to be impactful for you. So we are in uh, James chapter 1. If you turn there in your Bible, James chapter 1. We've been going through um, just a, a New Year's series called Your Word in My Heart, um, helping us just to hide God's Word in our heart, that we would not sin against Him, that we would uh, be the people God called us to be and, and use the powerful and effective Word of God. Uh, we've had don't statements, um, and today's don't statement is don't be deceived, don't be deceived, and we're looking at James today, and uh, uh, the, the hope is as we look at that, we'll see His Word in our heart, and we will, we will not be deceived, because His Word is in our heart, and we won't be deceived by the cares of the world, the worries of the world. We won't be deceived by what the world says is more important. We would look to the Word of God in it and its sufficiency for ours as well. So we're going to be in James chapter 1. Uh, we're going to be reading verses 19 through 27 and, and kind of breaking that apart today. I'll pray for us, and then we'll, we'll read our text together. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity you've given us to be here today. God, to, to look to your Word. God, to, to learn from your Word. But God, not just to look to it and and hear it, but, but Lord, let it sink in and, and become doers of the word. I thank you that you have given us a way to know you and, and to know real life. Got to be fully equipped. God, as, we, as we're here today, we ask that you would open our hearts. That we'd be receptive to what your word has to offer. That God, we would be guided by your word and by your spirit to a place of, of meekness, hum, humility, Lord, and And God, we would be open to receive what you have for us today. Guide our time together. Change our hearts, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so James, uh, chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourself of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. 
Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after widows and orphans in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Uh, I, I know that James is one of those uh, books that sometimes we, we avoid. We're like, I don't want to go to James. It's a little hard. And I, I hear some harshness there and I feel convicted. And I think that's good for us. I think it's good for us. Um, so today we're going to look at, at how God's word in our heart impacts us. And, and again, today's title is Don't Be Deceived. Don't Be Deceived. And, and there's three ways to combat this deception through the word of God. And number one is this don't be deceived, but be receptive to the word. Be receptive to the word. If we go back to James chapter 1, look at 19 through 21. He says, My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. I want us to, to think about a couple words here as we look at that first initial passage. One is understand this. James writes, he says, brothers and sisters, I want you to understand this. And, and for me, as, as, a, as a preacher, as a pastor, as a friend who exhorts the church often with words and with the word of God, I, I, I would implore you to stop what you're doing and listen from your heart. When James says, understand this, he doesn't say, I hope you're present and within earshot of what I'm saying and, and that it's going in one ear and out the other. That's not what James is saying. He says that what I'm about to say, what I want to communicate to you, should go in deeply into your heart. What does it say there? He says, understand this, and then in verse, uh, at the end of verse 21, he says, humbly receive the implanted word. So if we're to really understand this, we have to be in our own heart in a position of humility so we might receive the implanted word. It takes humility for us to understand this. It takes us coming here and saying, I don't know all that I think I know. I, I, I don't have all the right answers. But I'm coming to the one who does, and I'm going to humble myself before him and before his word, and I'm going to humbly receive the word that is implanted in us. Again, there's a guard and a solution for us, and, and, and God knows us. And, and I shared this verse last week, Jesus, uh, his high priestly prayer in John 17 he's praying for us because he knows we're in the world and it's really hard with what's going on around the world and the exhortation was to to get rid of all moral filth that's so prevalent around us and among us and then humbly receive the word you understand that that Jesus knows and James is writing to us that that the immorality in the world and that the cares of the world the riches of the world the temptations in the world those are the things that get in the way of our humility our pride our ego our selfishness gets in the way of our humility so when Jesus knew it was so important, he prayed to the Father. He said, I, I've given them your word. He's talking to the Father. Father, I've given them your word. The world hated them because they are not of this world, just as I am not of the world. He goes on, he says, I'm praying uh, that you take them out of the world. I'm sorry, and I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. 
This is Jesus praying for us. He knows where we are. He knows what you're up against. And he's praying to the Father that, that he wouldn't take you out of the world, but that he would protect you from the evil one. He goes on, he says, they are not of this world just as I am not of this world. And he says this, this is that guard and protection for us. He says, Father, sanctify them or set them apart, separate them, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is true. Well, where did he start off? He says, I've given them your word. Now, God, the word that I've given them, sanctify them by that truth. Your word is true. If you and I want to have a position of humility before the Father where we can actually understand what he's saying, we have to let God's word sanctify us. We have to come to God's word open and receptive to let it change and transform our lives. We have to be ready to receive the implanted word in us. You say, well, I'm receptive. Oh, well, maybe, but maybe you're not. Maybe you think you're receptive and you may not be. Maybe I think I'm receptive and there's times I may not be. I think it's a constant battle, a constant struggle. If, if I'm being honest and if you're being honest, it's probably a constant thing that I have to constantly humble myself constantly get over my pride constantly go before god humble and empty and meek and say god i want your word i want it more than anything else i want it and its wisdom and its grace and the power of the spirit to transform me you may not be receptive jesus points this out in matthew chapter 13 he talks about the parable of the sower and the seed in Matthew 13, he began in 18, he says, listen to the parable of the sower. He's already explained it, and people are like, I don't understand this. He says, listen to the parable. Listen, listen again, is understand this, listen up, hear. Anyone who hears the words about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, again, someone just sits around, doesn't understand it, right? They hear the words, I'm here, I say I hear, I say I'm listening, Anyone that does that and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one sown along the path, right? The seed was scattered, right? Some along the path and the rocky soil, the thorny soil, and the good soil. So it was on the path. They didn't understand that the evil one comes and snatches it away. That's this hard heart. Like you thought you had it, but it's just gone. And, and the one sown on rocky ground is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Like, yes, I can't wait. I love it. I want to receive it with joy. But... He has no root and is short-lived. Right? The rocky soil is shallow hearts. When distress or persecution comes because of the world, he immediately falls away. Now the one sown among the thorns, this is the weeds, right? And what do the weeds do in a garden? They crowd out what you want to produce a fruit. The one sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. Okay, again, hear. But the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes un fruitful but the one sown on the good ground this is the one who hears and understands the word hears and understands the word who does produce fruit and yields some a hundred some 60 some 30 times what was sown you see there's there's this this necessity for us to be receptive to the word is not just to be a hearer only but one who comes to be receptive and understand what god's word is saying to us so the question is what condition is your heart in? Are you the hard heart? This is all oh, okay, I'll go and I listen and I just, I don't take anything with me. I, I'll bring my Bible, but I won't even crack it open. And when I look at it, I'll read the words, but I, I don't even know what they said. Or are you the shallow heart? Like it goes a little ways, but you get distracted so easily, right? Maybe it's the crowded heart. It's, you're being choked out. There's so much other things going on in your life. There's so many other attentive things going on that, that your, your priorities are also elsewhere. 
Or are you the receptive, fruitful heart? The one that says, I want to block out everything else, and I want to come humbly before God and His Word and receive what it says. I want His Word in my heart. Jesus talked about this in Luke chapter 8, this idea of hearing. And, and, and I, there's one phrase, and I'll, I'll, I'll share the verse, and he's talking about not only us, but I think what he gives to, to us. He says, no one after lighting the lamp, and you can think about this, is that you and I, we shouldn't light a lamp and cover it, but Jesus is like, listen, I'm lighting the lamp. I'm giving you my word, and I'm not going to cover it either. No one after lighting the lamp covers it with a basket or puts it under a bed, or, but, it, but puts it on a lampstand so that those who come may see, right? It's like I'm, a lamp goes on a lampstand. For nothing is concealed that won't be revealed, and nothing is hidden that won't be made known and brought to light. He goes on, he says, Therefore, because of this truth, take care how you listen. I think sometimes we, we like to say, hey, be careful to listen. Right? Make sure you're paying attention. It's deeper than that, though, isn't it? He says, not, not just pay attention, but be careful how you listen. I don't know about you, but I have all kinds of biases. I have all kinds of preconceived ideas already. I've, I've grown up in a certain area and with a certain family and with certain thoughts and ideas, and I know Chevy trucks are best. That's it. End of story. Even that my dad now owns a Toyota, I, I still think, right, that Chevy's are the best. You just grow up in a certain bias. Do you have that bias against something? Do you have that bias with life? You that bi- and you carry that bias then to the Word of God and ignore the Word of God. Be careful how you listen. We ought to be coming open and receptive to God's Word that, that it would transform us. The author of Hebrews writes this in Hebrews 5. Uh, we have a great deal to say about this, the author says, and it's difficult to explain. Why would something be difficult to explain? Here's what he says. It's difficult to ex- explain since you have become too lazy to understand. I mean, those are fighting words, right? That, that irritates us. That gets it like, wait a minute, what'd you call me? Other translations, you are too dull of hearing. Other translations, you are poor listeners. You're poor hearers. And let's look at the description, what he, what he says about that. And, and I, listen, I, this like, light shone brightly in my own heart. Not, I know it's going to maybe hurt you too, but it, it, me too, right? Here's what he goes on. He says, uh, you're lazy to understand. Although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. It's been covered a million times. You need milk, not solid food. Now everyone who lives on milk is, un, is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, for those who, whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. What's the author saying here? Don't be a baby. And, and, and the description is this. Those who are lazy to understand, those who are dull of hearing, those who are poor listeners who, who aren't ready to actually be hearers and receive the word of God are babies. They're infants. They're not maturing. They're not growing. They're just drinking milk. So what's the solution here? I, I think that we ought to think, well, how do I put myself then in a receptive place? And I think that we'll see that in the text here in a minute too, but I want to just give you a little bit of unpacking before we get there. How, how do we, what's the solution? I think there's a couple things that are practical for you and I to do. When we come before the Word of God, whether 
on Sunday morning or at Sunday afternoon in Bible study or, or, or Monday morning when you get up and start reading for your devotion. We ought to be prayerful. Be prayerful. Say, God, I, I don't necessarily get this. And I, I think I might, but I probably don't. So get rid of what I thought it was and help me see what it really is. Be prayerful. Be prayerful to get over your, your own uh, pride. God, I, I, I think I'm all that, but I'm, I'm not. And I want you to remind me of that now and help me to search after you. Be prayerful. What else is be intentional. I think it's important for us to be intentional. If we want to be receptive hearers of God's word, we be, be intentional. And, and, and I think a couple things are, are really important that we, we adequately rest. Right? We come before God having Sabbath, having rested, coming before him saying, God, my eyes and my ears and my mind is sharp and open and I want to receive what you have for me. Because there are going to be days when my mind isn't sharp and I'm not ready to hear and I'm tired and that's going to come back to my heart and remind me. So come rested. And I would say write also. I know some people are like, don't write in your Bibles. That's fine. Don't write. If, you don't, if you're one of those, don't write in your Bibles. That's your conviction. Don't go against that. But I like to make notes in my margin and underline things and write on note cards. Maybe you're a journaler. Write, write things down so you would remember them better. I would say sing also. Sing. Find good Bible-based modern worship and hymn songs that are going to speak truth in your life, that you're going to sing truth in your life. One of the ways I remember Scripture is I sing it. I make a song out of it because it's just catchy, right? Sing it. So rest, write, and sing. Uh, I think the other thing is, is search. When I say search, I, I think it's really important for us to be able to search the Scriptures ourselves. And, and that, that means having a good reference Bible. And I don't know if you have this or not. If you look in your Bible, uh, there's a middle column. Well, I don't know what, how yours, yours are set up, but on mine there's two columns of text. Right in the middle is a reference column. And it tells you, like, if you were at verse 5, and it says verse 5, also see. And what it means is go to those verses. They have something to do with that one. Because all of Scripture informs all of Scripture, and we want to harmonize God's Word and grow in God's Word and see it in its fullness. We read a verse, we read a passage, go cross-reference that passage with the ones in here. It's even better if you have a study Bible. On the bottom are all kinds of good study notes, and we have options for you with that as well if you're interested in that. But, but go and, and seek and be intentional to search out the Scriptures. I think also is search out information from people God has placed in your life. Go, go and sit under good teaching. Listen to the Word of God. Want to be taught God's Word. I love Sunday school. I love it. We've been going through church history, so it's not super, super deeply rich in theology, but it's, it's background about the church and what God has done, and it's, it's been amazing. And sometimes it's hard. It's hard because it's a lot of information. It's over my head. It's still worthwhile. It's wonderful to be intentional to seek that out, right? So we're, we're prayerful and we're intentional. I think it's also important to be reflective, to be reflective. Like it really should be asking myself, what, what am I learning? What do I need to see here? What is God wanting to point out in me? It's not enough just to, to look for information. It's to look and search the scriptures for transformation. Not just for information, but also for transformation. And once we're reflective on the scriptures and we see what God's word is saying and we, we understand it, we have to be repentant. That, that's what gives us humility. That's what brings about humility is repentance. God, if I'm going to change, I need to, to see myself for who I really am. I've, searched, I've prayerfully searched the scriptures. I've referenced and, and searched what, what's there. And, and now I'm, I've been reflective to see all my sin and I hate it. And God, I want to repent of that sin. And I want to change. That's what leads to humility. And that's what, that's what helps us here. Here's the text again in James 1.19. My dear brothers and sisters, understand, right? So our idea is be receptive, understand this. Everyone should be. 
quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I want to mention something here. We typically use this verse, and we should use this verse, in just the attitude we have in day-to-day life with each other. Right? I, I, I should stop spouting off my mouth. I should listen more and not get angry with, with each other. Right? That's really, really important. But if we look at this passage in another light as well, what, what is James talking about in the same breath? He says you should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger regarding the implanted word of God in your life. Now, I know it's like, wait a minute, we never looked at it that way. I know, I didn't either until I read the scripture and studied it. Yes, it should be true of our relationships with people. But don't we do that with the word of God? The, even right now, the word of God comes forward and, and, and comes to bear on our lives. And what do we do? We start uh, in my, even arguing in your own head, ah, that's, not, that's not for me, that's not true, I don't think I believe that. And we get angry. We get angry because, oh, the word of God's pointing out that I'm a sinner. I don't want to be, I, I'm not, I'm, I, and you're not quick to listen. What is, what is James wanting us to do? When the word of God comes to bear on our lives, we ought to be quick to listen. Put ourselves in a place of receptive understanding so we would hear the word of God. And we shouldn't hate that it says that I'm sinful. It should, we shouldn't hate that it comes against my own life or my own choices or my own preferences. We shouldn't get angry about that because it won't bring about God's righteousness in our life. What brings about God's righteousness in our life is being quick to listen, slow to speak against it, right, and slow to become angry at it. That brings God's righteousness in our life. Now, it's a different way to look at it, isn't it? Not only is it in a relationship to you, you and I, I should be quick to listen when we have an, a conversation or an argument, right? I want to be quick to listen, humble myself. I want to be slow to speak and, and slow to get angry. That's important, but this is part of the solution. I need to be quick to listen to God's word, slow to speak against it, and slow to get angry about the fact that it points out sin and error in my life. Here's some, here's some scripture, Romans 10, this idea of quick, being listened and hearers. Faith comes from what is heard, and, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. What should we be quick to listen to? The word, the message about Christ. Proverbs 10, where there are many words, because we weren't slow to speak, where there are many words, sin is unavoidable. But the one who controls his lips is prudent. How about slow to anger? Proverbs 14, 29. A patient person shows great understanding. That's quick to listen, right? A patient person shows great understanding, but a quick-tempered one promotes foolishness. It's been said that a, a temper is such a valuable thing, it'd be a shame to lose it. And I think, well, why? Why is a temper a valuable thing? Well, when steel is tempered, that makes it hardened, doesn't it? It makes it stronger. See, we can lose our temper or we can temper ourselves. It's okay to be angry at times and feel that anger and I don't want, this, I don't want God's word saying this about me and uh, it's, it's revealing some deep, hard things. Good, now just shut up and listen to it. Be reflective. Let it do something in you and let it transform you. And, and you'll be tempered. Now, how many fights and divisions start among us as a result of, of short tempers or, or of hasty words? Isn't that how fights start? Short fuses and hasty words. Now, there's a godly anger, right? There's a godly anger, an anger that's against sin. And if, if we love the Lord, we must hate sin. But man's anger, my unrighteous anger, does not produce God's righteousness in my life. We must hate 
hate sin and, and not hate the Word of God or others that point it out. And when we hate sin and not each other or the Word, when we hate sin and love the Word, it'll produce a meekness in us that is then receptive to the Word of God and to its instruction. Number two. So we, number one is be receptive. Number two, don't be deceived, but be a doer of the Word. Right? And this is helpful. Being receptive helps us now to be a doer of the Word. Look at James 1, 22. This is the verse Bailey quoted earlier. Be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. So we realize that we must be quick to listen, right? We need to be quick to listen. And, and that's great, but we must not be hearers only. We need to be quick to listen and hear the word, but not hearers only. We must be a doer of the word also. I think too many Christians mark up their Bibles, but they don't let their Bibles make a mark on them. Like, we let, oh, I went to church, I heard the word, and you walk out forgetting what was said. I mean, there's days that I've done that. I mean, I'm the preacher. And I walk out and I, wait a minute, and we have a discussion in our small group. I'm like, what did I, oh yeah, yeah, I got to remember. I, I take my notes with me to remind me. Right? Let the Bible mark you. If you think you're spiritual, listen, this is, the, this is the deceiving part, the lie. If you think you're spiritual because you hear the word, then you are only kidding yourselves. If you think you're filled with faith because you've only heard the word, you are kidding yourself. You listen, we, we seem to really, really enjoy reading, and we seem to enjoy talking, and we seem to enjoy arguing and debating, but we don't seem to enjoy doing the Word. Maybe that's what you think faith is. I'm going to hear it, and listen to it, I'm going to debate it and argue it with someone all the time, and I'm good. Well, Jesus would say, go do it. Do what it says. Here are the mistakes that this, this person, this brother or sister would make. Here's the mistakes that you and I would make from this James passage. We see this here. We don't merely glance at yourselves, right? So this person is merely glancing at themselves as they read the word carelessly. I have, I have done this. Maybe you've done this. You're, you're reading God's word or you're even listening right now. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And you're just like, let me get through it. Let me get done. It's like a speed reading test. And, and when you're, how many, I mean, how many times have I read a passage of scripture and been like, I did not understand a thing I just read. Why? Because I didn't hear a thing I just read. I read the words, but nothing came in here. And I've got to reread it. I remember that during high school, too, or college. I got to read this book, and there's a test on it tomorrow. Well, if there's a test on it, I better understand what it says. And I, I read, and how many times I reread a page, the whole page, over again, because I just I was in space somewhere. I was gone. I've got to come, come here with, with faith and desire to read and, and to be receptive of God's Word. So the, the problem here, the mistake that is made, we merely glance at the Word, and we merely glance at ourselves as we, as we read the Word carefully. Then, another mistake is they forget what they see. Right, the, the, the image here was that a person goes and stands in front of a mirror and looks at themselves. Why do we do that? I've stopped doing that. I just don't, you know, I don't care anymore. 
No, but you, you go in front of the mirror because you, oh, I need to make sure my hair's combed. I need to make sure my teeth look good and there's nothing in my teeth. I mean, boogers hanging? No. Okay, do I need anything else? Like, do I look okay? Yeah, that, you go in front of a mirror for that purpose. If you stand in front of a mirror, look at yourself, and don't take it in and walk away, it's not useful at all. Right? Don't, so we look at the Word of God. The mistake we'd make is leaving, forgetting what we saw. And then the final mistake we see here is that they fail to obey what the Word told them to do. It's really hard to do if we're going there just reading for nothing, right, and not remembering what we read. But if, let's say, we read it, and let's say we understood it and we took it into heart, the next step is do it. Go, go practice that. We've had so many comments at times from church members at different times in the history of my ministry even here. I've heard this, like, well, I wanna, we need a little deeper study. I love deep. I mean, I, I mean go to Sunday school. That's deep, right? I love deep. Here's the issue, though. We can have deep upon deep upon deep, but it's going to be shallow unless you and I do it. If you want to talk about deep, go put it into practice and then come back and then let's have a conversation about what is deep. Don't be a hearer only. and Grow in huge knowledge and have great debates and not be a doer also and forget to obey or fail to obey the word of God. Jesus says these people are foolish that make these mistakes. Matthew 7, therefore, if anyone hears these words of mine and acts on them, will be wise. So there's wise and foolish here. Uh, A wise man who built his house on a rock. I want that. I hear the word and do what they say. I built my house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it did not collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. I want us to reflect on that in view of the part of James that says, but the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom. We don't, under, we don't think that sometimes. That's not how we're wired. Like, a law gives freedom? But it does. God's word gives us freedom. Because we're building our lives on a rock, on a stable foundation, and we don't have to worry about building our lives on the sand. That's so important for us to understand. Uh, you're, not only are you foolish, right, to, to not go and hear and listen and do what God's Word says, uh, but there's also no fruit, no good fruit. There is fruit from being foolish, but it's not good fruit. And the fruit of being foolish is a great crash. Now, I want you to think about this. In, in light of this idea of freedom, a looming great crash upon you. Is there freedom in that? Do this. No. A looming great crash. There's no, no freedom. There's only fear and there's worry. And there's like, when is it? Where is it? What's it going to look like? I don't, it just burdens your heart. Because that sand is going to give out at some point. There's a heavy burden, and, and, and it, what does it produce? What does this, this way of thinking, this foolishness produce? It produces wandering and produces wondering. And there's no freedom in that either. There's only a heavy burden. But it's not so with the wise that Jesus said. The wise hear the word, do the word, and they obey. And there's a good fruit that is produced out of that because it's the perfect law that brings and gives us freedom. We're no longer under the burden of the great crash, we're under the perfect law that brings freedom and it equals blessing. James says, this person who is a doer will be blessed in what he does. Blessed. 
Blessing is not burden. Blessing is not wandering and wondering. Blessing is not the weight of this, of this crash. The psalmist writes in Psalm 119, I, I love this. Psalm 119, beginning in verse 43. Listen to the freedom that you hear in the psalmist's voice. Never take the word of truth from my mouth, for I hope in your judgments. Sounds like freedom, doesn't it? Hope. I will always obey your instruction forever and ever. I will walk freely in an open place because I study your precepts. How often do we think, oh, if I, if I go to the Word of God, it's going to be strict and rigorous and I just can't, I, it's too limited. The psalmist says, no, 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 there's freedom there. When you are there, it, it gives you what you need. It directs you in the way you should be directed. You're not going to be wandering or wondering anymore. I will freely walk in open space because I study your precepts. I will speak of your decrees before kings and I will not be ashamed. I will speak and not be ashamed. That, that means that, that the one that's not looking to the precepts of God will speak and will be ashamed. That's burden. That's not freedom. Freedom is I'll speak and not be ashamed. Verse 47, I delight in your commands. I delight in them, which I love. Verse 48, I will lift my hands to your commands. That's freedom. That freedom comes from surrendering to God, saying, God, this, I'm yours. Your way is better than my way. I want to, I want to be on the rock that's, that's steady and stronger than I am. I will lift my hands to your commands, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Hiding God's word in our heart, this is the opposite of heavy. This is the opposite of wandering and wondering. This is the opposite of a great crash. There is freedom on the rock. There is freedom in Christ. Jesus even said it himself to the Jews. He said, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. And you will know the truth. And what? The truth will set you free. He will, he will set you free. Jesus is the truth. He is our rock. He is the one who brings freedom. Are you free? Are you free? Don't be deceived Find hope in God's word. Be receptive from God's word. Be a doer of God's word. If you are free, then you go to God and say this. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts and my concerns. If there's anything offensive in me, lead me to the way everlasting. See, if we're free, we do that, don't we? We, we go and say, God, shape me up. Make, get, make more room. Make more room. I want more of you and less of me. We go to God with that in a repentant heart. If we are free, we say that. If you say you are not free, then I want you to say this, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and, see if, and know my concerns. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Either one of us, whether we're, we feel free or we don't feel free, should have the same response to the Lord Jesus. Search me, God. Test me. Know my heart. Lead me in the way everlasting. Don't be deceived. Be a doer of the word. And what does that look like? Finally, number three is this. Don't be deceived, but... Be speaking, be serving, and be separated. Be speaking, be serving, and be separated. Right, what did the psalmist write just a minute ago in Psalm 119? Right, I'm not ashamed to speak. Right, I will speak and I'll not be ashamed. Look at our text in, in James chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, our last two verses here. It says, if anyone thinks his religion, or he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Again, this is why we don't like to read James. 
It's very poignant, isn't it? It's very, it points out exactly where we're in error. If anyone thinks he's religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Which would make me go back to think I should be quick to listen and slow to what? Speak. I want to control my tongue. There's a, there's a connection here, right? And, and I should be slow to listen to God's, or quick to listen to God's word and slow to speak against it and argue with how it points out my sin and error in my lives. Goes on though in verse 27, pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from, uh, unstained from the world. So let's talk about the, the speaking part, this first part. Don't be deceived, but be speaking. Well, what should we be speaking? Things that come from the heart of God, from the Word of God that's been implanted and received into our heart and transforms us, right? And, and Jesus explains this. He talks about the idea of the mouth and what, what comes out of the mouth in Matthew 12. The mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. When we speak, it should, it comes, it's what comes from the heart. I've always said this. The, the tongue is the tattletale of the heart. The tongue is the tattletale of the heart. It tells exactly what's going on in there and what's really important to you or to me. A good person produces good things from his storeroom of good, and an evil person produces evil things from his storeroom of evil. Right Out of the overflow of the, of the mouth, or the mouth, the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. So speak from the Word of God and by the Spirit of God, and not be ashamed. Then what about serving? What, I, I, this is interesting, because this goes back to being a doer of the Word, right? not just being a hearer only. I, I, in James 2, and you can just look down the next, next chapter there, James 2, 14 to 18. James exhorts his brothers and sisters and says this, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such a faith save him? If a brother or sister is uh, without clothes and lacks daily food and one of you says to them, Go in peace and stay warm and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you faith by my works. This is a difficult passage for some. This is not talking about salvation. It's talking about the evidence of a redeemed heart and the fruit that's produced from an actual place of faith. We say, oh, I I have faith. And here's what you can say. If someone claims to have faith, this is just words. They claim to have faith. I was a hearer. I'm a hero. I have faith. I like to talk about it. I like to, to speak about it, but they're not doing anything about it. There's a disconnect there, right? So we have to not only do it to speak about it, we need to act on it. Down in verse 18, if someone says, you have faith and I have works, he says, show me your faith without works. He says, show me faith without works. I'd like to see faith without works. You know what it is? It's words. It's hearers only. That's it. I, I could regurgitate scripture to you, I could tell you what it says and how I'm impacted by it, but I'm not going to do anything about it. That's, that's a faith without works. He said, but I'll show you faith by my works. Do not be hearers only, but doers of the word, right? Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. See, faith and works goes together. I hear, if I hear the word of God, it transforms my life, and I am then a doer of the word. And if I am not a doer of the word, I am deceiving myself, and there's actually no faith there. That's kind of scary. We don't like to be doers of the word. We need to be doers of the word. Pure religion is this, to look after 
orphans and widows in their distress. We serve one another. We love one another. We feed and clothe one another. We take care of one another. What about being separated? So we speak and then we serve and then we keep ourselves separated. Keep oneself unstained from the world, James says. Romans 12, 2 says this. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Don't be deceived. Be speaking and be serving and be separating yourself by the transforming of and renewing of your mind. If you and I say that we have faith, we ought to desire transformation. And that transformation will lead us to actually living it out. We lay down our pride and get over ourselves when we think, that, oh, I, I'm a hearer of the word. We lay down the pride of being a hearer only. And we become receptive to be whoever God intends us to be by the power of his word and by the power of his spirit. Do not deceive yourselves. Do not deceive yourselves. Let's stand and pray. Father, our desire is to not deceive ourselves. Help us, Lord. Lord, help us as we, as we go to your word that we would find it fruitful, filled with life and instruction. God, that we would not be deceived, but we would be receptive. We would be careful how we hear, not only what we hear. We would seek to understand and to be challenged by your word and to be empty as we come before you. God, that we would also be doers of your word, that we would not just hear and have conversations about it, but we would be doers of your word, living it out, acting on the word of God. And God, there's freedom in that. There's freedom in building our lives on the rock. And God, help us to live it out actively, speaking, serving, and God, continually separating ourselves from a world that does not love you or know you. That we might engage them and they might see the glory of Christ, repent of their sins and come to faith. We trust you with that. We beg of you to change us and challenge us and transform us. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.